Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast. It is a very special episode today. It is episode 250 of this show. A quarter of a thousand shows, Janine, we have of It's a Wonderful Podcast, celebrating old movies, showing all our love to them, mostly celebrating, really. I mean, there's been the odd one or two that some parts of maybe don't want to be celebrated and things like that. But we <laughs> we have to talk about all aspects of yes. movies, really, don't we, when we cover them on this show. But we have such a fun show for us and for you today, fully just taking a look at the entire history, really, of the show and choosing favourite parts favorite movies different reasons for favorite movies we have kind of an amalgamation of a lot of previous milestone episodes where we are kind of talking about some kind of top three favorites in certain aspects also having a little bit of an awards show because we are still in awards season yes. um you know in, in the world generally there's been a lot of award shows going on February time just works for awards type uh, shows and things like that. So we're going to be doing something like that. But before we do get into to the real craziness of today's episode, I just want to say a massive thank you for helping us to get to 250 episodes it's a massive milestone it feels yes, definitely so much bigger than even 200 which you think was okay just less than a year ago but 250 seems like a very round number to me more so than 200 and it's weird and it's because it's quarter of a thousand so you have that kind of yeah singular point to it yeah. point and it, it feels massive and obviously this show has now been going since january of 2018 <laughs> which is an awfully long time it's over five years old now this show this show is actually older than the release of Black Panther, which <laughs> is actually also this week, I think. Yes, as, as yes. This shows mm -hmm. airing, so that's fun. Um, which, which seems crazy, really, doesn't it? But that we, you know, we've been doing this show. Well, certainly, I say we. I have been doing this yes. show since the very, very beginning. Um, of course, we can't forget the wonderful. Nolan Dean or Dean Byrne or whatever he wants to be known as these days. <laughs> um, Dean Byrne, uh, who obviously started this show with me and was a massive, massive part of this show for a hell of a long time. Yes. Um, the the origin, original co-host, the co-founder. Um, you came in as he wasn't able to do as much as he once was and have taken over <laughs> while he has been unable. Um, and now that he, he kind of is, is no longer really part of the show, it's our show. Yeah. And this is, it's been a very, I, I, I've enjoyed that it's been such a smooth 
transition. We obviously all get on. There's there's no ill will there at all. But I did just want to bring um, Noel into it. Of course, of course, he's a massive, massive part of of what we've done yeah. on it. The wonderful podcast, obviously, this show in particular, the main show. Um, but yes, just thank you so much for allowing us to get to 250 episodes. We really hope you enjoy this episode, which is is uh, going going to be a very reminiscing episode, a very looking back episode. Um, all these awards things we have written down in front of us right now are <laughs> going to create some fun conversation. Yes, and some and some very. Uh, emotionally memorable moments <laughs> i'm uh, i'm sure about that but anything you wanted to say Janine, before we start things off um yes i mean i haven't been with the show uh from the very start but it, it's been a great joy to become part of the show um just kind of filling in this was my first kind of foray into podcasting. I was very shy about things like this, didn't like hearing my voice, but I had a lot of opinions about movies and I had dabbled toes into classic films, but it was something I definitely wanted to see more of and, and learn more about. Um, so when kind of getting the ask to, to fill in, uh, I really got the bug to want to continue podcasting and this show was the show that made me a podcaster so I am very thankful for the opportunity to get to be a part of this show and and now that uh, we've hit 250 to continue on and do more things and I've I've considered myself now a a, a, a huge fan of classic film uh, yes. so, so the show has brought a lot of wonderful things into into my sphere so well here's an interesting fact to start us off is that janine you were actually you actually made your first appearance on this show over 200 episodes ago yeah <laughs> on episode number 47 willy wonka and the chocolate <laughs> yes, factory yes yes <laughs> Um, but your your first episode as a distinct co-host was episode 61, The Lion in Winter. Ah, yes. That was your defined, you are the actual becoming the co-host. Yeah. <laughs> Which didn't take that long from 47 to 61, I suppose. No, there really no. Did it, but... There were some great guest hosts in between. Oh, there um... certainly was. We've had wonderful guests at... at one point we we don't really do guests on this show as, as you <laughs> probably well know but um at a certain point there was there was quite a changing array of, yeah. of guests so I would have on and and you were one of those who was kind of you, you solidified your place didn't you <laughs> yes i did and then yes when nolan kind of made his return um i was asked to stay on and so we did kind of the rotation uh so i really appreciated yeah. that um you guys wanted me to hang around uh after kind of nolan came back so yeah well the rotation was always fun because it would yeah. it would mean that it would be very different the show week to week because <laughs> yeah my perspectives, kind of rapport with nolan was always <laughs> yeah far different to <laughs> what we are like um, yeah we'd end up covering vastly different movies There's <laughs> yes some just really bizarre things that come after each other 
as we look <laughs> through this list. Yeah. Um, and I might kind of, I might spend a little bit of time today. I know we're eight minutes into the show already, but I might spend a little bit of time today just kind of rattling off the shows that we've done every yeah. so often. Um, just to kind of refresh people's minds. I will do them very quickly, otherwise we'll be here all yeah. day. Because <laughs> there is obviously 250 episodes. But I think it's about time now, Janine, for us to start the actual show. Yes. A big thank you to everybody. Please sit back, relax and enjoy episode 250 of It's a Wonderful Podcast. I am certain we will, as we begin today's show, by talking about, Janine, our top three favourite Deja Vu's. Deja Vu being a big part of this show that you brought in. Yes, we've had. <laughs> something to, uh, to, to talk about movies remakes and movies reinterpretations. And I think this, um, I think Deja Vu is a wonderful thing that we did bring in, that you did bring in, and has you know, given us a handful of really great remakes and a lot of really not great remakes. Yes, but always fun to kind of talk about the bad ones as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. This idea just kind of came to me in terms of, uh, you know, me not knowing as much about classic films coming into this show and knowing the newer versions of things and not having known the, the the classic versions and just this desire to kind of compare and contrast. So yeah. I thought that would be a fun thing to, to take a look at, at movies in that way and still kind of hit that classic point and then see this modern interpretation and see the differences or the similarities or, um, you know, if there was any kind of creative uh, way to, to remake it or if it was just very lazy or, you know, all kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I really had fun kind of coming up with that idea and, and the things we've been able to, to see and, and talk well, about. Do you have yours ranked? Because I don't have mine ranked. No, so. not Good. particularly okay, ranked. So, no, so let's just um, as start then. What are your What are your three favorite deja views? Do you have any ones that nearly made it? Um. Well, I think my three are pretty solid. Okay. Um, okay. Fair enough. So I have Last Holiday. Okay. Willard. <laughs> Ooh, okay. And uh, this was more of a retrospective, but also I would consider it under the Deja Vu umbrella, Beauty and the Beast. Okay, yes, yes. I, 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 I did have, um, I did have Disney's, you know, animated Beauty and the Beast down as a, as a kind of potential, but I did think, see, what Deja Vu means to me or what a favourite déjà vu means to me, is I think the remake, like, there has to be an argument that it's better than, yeah. the, than the original. And Disney's Beauty and the Beast, the animated one, is obviously wonderful, but it's just no... It's just not as good as La Bella La Bette. I was it's not expecting not. to love La Bella La Bette as as much as I did. Like the creativity, the 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 whimsy, the magic, the effects. Like it was just so beautiful and charming and enchanting. It's an unbelievable and movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that that speaks to 
the kind of things I've chosen here and why some haven't been put in there. Um, I love the last holidays in there for you because it might be recency bias, but last holidays also in there for me. It's yes. just a phenomenal re way to remake that movie. And I think what makes a deja vu great for me too is is if there are differences, if it's not a complete like you know word for word remake. Um, you take kind of the bones of the original thing and do something different with it. So I think the last holiday, definitely there are some comparable things. There are some fun nods to the original film, um, some recognizable things, but it took its own turn with it. Um, even with something like, like I would consider an honorable mention death takes a holiday. Uh, meet Joe black definitely takes the bones okay. of that, but really kind of yeah. does its own creative thing with it and adds more of a romance in there and focuses on that. And, um, I think Meet Joe Black's a solid deja vu. Yeah. Um, I, I just think I like the bizarreness of Death Takes a Holiday <laughs> so, much yes. more. Yes. I yeah. think Meet Joe Black's quite a... I don't want to say... Well, I suppose typical for its time kind of movie. Oh, yes. Even though it's obviously still supernatural based, it's still, you know, death being romantic. Yeah. But there's something really weird about Death takes a holiday. The <laughs> fact it's pre-code as well just allows it to be weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not a case a, of a movie. A I would say movie. Yeah, not a case of a better, but um, just interesting in the fact that it's not like a direct kind of copy, like something like uh, yeah. Sabrina. Sabrina is very yes. not much yeah. was different from Sabrina the original to Sabrina the the remake. And certainly, I would agree with that as well. I think I think a, a favorite deja vu needs to be different to yes. its original. Like you said, the Sabrina remake is is perfectly good. There's, was good. There's nothing, yes, there's nothing wrong with that movie at all. I don't think it's as good as you know Hepburn and Bogart and William Holden, but it's it's pretty good. Yes. Um. So yes, I like that we both have Last Holiday in there. <laughs> It might be recency because we have just we, kind of yeah. done it, but you can't fault the enjoyment of Queen no. Latifah's Last Holiday. Especially and there's arguments of... to be made. There's arguments to be made that it's a better movie than Alec Guinness's Last Holiday, I mean, and yes. I really enjoyed that movie. I really and enjoyed that. the darker kind of ending of the original, and then you get a more hopeful. So it's kind yeah. of a nice. It's a, it's kind of a nice, very different uh, pairing to watch them together because you kind of end on a bit of a downer, and then you kind of watch the, the remake, and it's more uplifting. It's very, very, very different. Um, I love that you put Willard in there. <laughs> Yes, I, I mean, really love that you put Willard in there. I, it almost made it onto my <laughs> honorables, Willard. Yes, because it's yeah. a solid movie. It's it's just, I think, I think I just prefer the tone of the original. I just yes. prefer the yeah. the the weirdness, not not the weirdness of it, but the more. I don't know. It it feels. 
more grounded in a weird way. Well, yes, yes. Um, see, because yeah, like I feel like with yours, you your your whole idea of a good deja vu is if it's better, if we can make that argument. Mine is just if it breeds interesting conversation. If yeah, a, if there's an interesting kind of comparison we can make looking at the two, um, uh, things we can kind of differentiate, differentiate things we can find that we like that one did that the other didn't, and vice versa. So my picks are more about kind of the conversations that we were able to kind of have about like the, the differences and the similarities between the two movies. So um, I mean, that, I wasn't that, looking at it from the gaze of like the, the better or worse. It's more of kind of like, did we have a really interesting conversation about these two films? So well, that's fair. I mean, that does come into it as well. I mean, I've got, I've got six movies written down here, three that are my choices but three that are kind of very nearly made it. Um, and one of those was Miracle on 34th Street. Yes. Like, you can't fault Richard Attenborough's Miracle no, on 34th Street. No, it's so Street. good. It's so good. And there's lots of arguments to be made that it's better and more enjoyable yeah. than mm-hmm. 1947's, as good as 1947's is. Cape Fear. Scorsese's oh, yes. Cape Fear mm-hmm. is a really, really good remake. I think what doesn't make that one of mine is because I think I think De Niro is a great reinterpretation of what Mitchum's doing. Yes. In Cape Fear. Nolte, I think, lets Gregory Peck down. He does a little bit. And it's it's unfortunate. I think it's De Niro's movie entirely. Yeah. Whereas Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum are very are equal kind of toe to toe in yes. that movie, yeah. in that original movie. But and also Little love Women the little 2019. <laughs> oh, okay. Little Women, Greta Gerwig's Little okay. Women. Okay. I think, which was a retrospective episode, so yes. not technically a deja vu, yeah. but a wonderful, wonderful movie. But obviously, I really like Catherine Hepburn's 33. 33 yeah. Little Women as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but yes, my my other two, apart from Last Holiday, was The Thing. Oh. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes. Because yes. it was a retrospective episode, but it's but so still, much better than The Thing the from Another World. Of Deja Vu, it is, yeah. <laughs> the Thing from Another World is is a good sci-fi movie. John Carpenter's the thing it blows it out of the water. It's, oh, it's yes. so much better. It's so much more interesting. And it's not preachy. And I think the thing from another world is a little bit preachy yeah. at the end. John Carpenter's um, is all about the suspense um of and the the paranoia and you yeah. know, and you know, not trust who can you trust kind of kind of build up. Um so and my last one is actually, um, I mean, this speaks to what you think, actually, a movie that, you know, a good Deja Vu movie, a great Deja Vu movie does something totally different. And to be fair, I think my other two choices do something totally different. Their Last Holiday, obviously, and the thick John Carpenter's The Thing. But this one really does something very, very different with it, with its premise, and it's Pacino's Scarface. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Which has been one of my favourite movies for a, an awfully long time. It used to be one of my favourite movies because I misinterpreted the movie, but then 
as I grow to actually interpret the movie as it's intended, it's even better to me now as just this ridiculous play on greed and excess. Oh, well, yeah. And, and just somebody biting off far more than, more they, than can they can chew. chew. Yeah, it's coming so down intense. to beat them. Yeah. Um, it is not a glorification movie that people think it is when they are No, younger. it's, yes, it's more of a cautionary tale, if anything. It really is. No. But Scarface 32 is a wonderful movie. Also wonderful has its movie. merits, yeah. It does. Paul Mooney's Scarface is a, is a terrific movie. Howard Hawks directed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's brilliant. I just, there's arguments to be made that Pacino's, that De Palma's is better. It's certainly very, very different. It's a brilliant yes. remake in that sense. Very because modernized and different. the things that it adds. Because, yeah, and also with the deja vu, if you're going to add things, because maybe the original version, obviously older, so it's going to be a shorter runtime, um, taking place in a different time period, in a different world, um, different setting. So um, if the in- the additions that the new movie is making add merit, add interest, um, you know, elevate it in some way. Um, a lot of our deja vus added things that were completely unnecessary and just felt like padding. The yes, we're not time. talking about the bad um, deja vus, the, the twelve <laughs> yes. angry men, and the um, and the, the, the flight of the phoenix and the flight and the, of the phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. Um, these movies added things that just felt very unnecessary to the plot um, and very overcomplicated the kind of simple, the simplicity and, and the, the good storytelling of the original film. So um, yeah, I think the ones that you mentioned, particularly Scarface had very solid um, additions to the original film, you know, taking the bones of that story and adding um, what kind of the modern world looked like and, and adding that flair to it and yeah more kind of action and you know well i mean it's a, it's also a far longer movie i think it's yes it's virtually double the runtime of 32 scarface i think yeah. i think <laughs> i'm sure paul mooney scarface is is 90 minutes ish and pacino's is nearly three hours so it's it's got significantly more to play with yeah. Um, I actually think there's elements to 32 Scarface that are better. I think George Raft actually as kind of his, you know, his best friend, Tony's best friend, is better than Stephen Bauer as Manny in Pacino's. I think yeah. he's he's more. He speaks to that. I think he speaks to that era and that style more than Stephen Bauer does in in. 83 i think i think maybe pacino's just overpowering everybody in de palma scarface yeah i think that may be the problem everybody else has but (laughs) obviously it's entirely kind of his movie and i feel like 32 allows other people and for kind of have moments and yeah it does it does um but yes, top three favourite deja views there, Janine. One last look. Mine were Last Holiday, Scarface 83, and John Carpenter's The Thing. Yours were? Beauty and the Beast, Willard, and The Last Holiday as well. There you go. <laughs> well, let's move into then 
deja vu was something you created, Jim. This was your <laughs> idea. This is now something that I liked <laughs> to create very, very early on yes. in its wonderful podcast's history. The first inclusion in uh, uh, of this particular, um, what, what would you call it, segment of its wonderful podcast was actually in episode number four. Oh, it happened one night. Early. Mm-hmm. Where uh, I, I looked at Clark Gable and I thought to myself, what a wonderful moustache <laughs> Clark Gable has. Let's create a Hall of Fame of moustaches. This is the Moustache Hall of Fame. This is something that I adore. <laughs> um, even though I don't have a moustache myself. Well, I have, I have Connected a beard, Connected to a beard. <laughs> don't have just a moustache. But let's talk about our top three favourite moustaches <laughs> in the Moustache Hall of Fame. Now, I would like to actually preface this, Janine, by uh-huh. saying this isn't necessarily the person with the most handsome moustache. This isn't necessarily the most defined moustache in the Moustache Hall of Fame. This is just how you interpret the word favourite, like the deja vu things that we've just come on, and some of the awards we have later. This is how, in your opinion, you interpret (laughs) the word favourite. It could be a silly moustache okay? you just like. It could be a moustache that really, really suits the person. It could have more reason than that. It could have a deeper reason as to why you love this particular moustache. And it also doesn't have to necessarily always look great if it's a good moustache. But I'm intrigued to hear what your top three favourite moustaches in the Moustache Hall of Fame are. And if you had any that nearly made it. Oh, um... Well, the big burly mustache of the chef in Sabrina always. always yes, always yes. A good one. Marcel Hilaire <laughs> is a great mustache. Yes. But my favorites are Charles Lawton in The Big Clock. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, a fake one, Alan Arkins in Wait Until Dark. <laughs> oh, a false <laughs> that mustache was a has one. made it. Um, and Gregory Peck in The Gunfighter. Yes. yes, I mean, these are understandable <laughs> choices for me. I'm surprised a false moustache has made it in there. I could not justifiably put a false moustache. I mean, the false, it was on the list and the heart made it into the hall. It was it? He okay. is in there. <laughs> so what is his favourite? Yes, it's just I'm, very... I'm shocked. It's a good false moustache, don't get me yes, wrong. It's a very yes. good false moustache. I mean, it just plays well into the plot, so I wanted a moustache that was very plot-specific. Um, if I, It does, yeah. If I was going to put a false moustache in there, I think it would have to be Judy Holiday in Adam's Rib. Ooh, and for that yes. one little flash <laughs> moment, dresses yes. up as a man <laughs> and has a moustache. Oh, yes, yes. Um... <laughs> I don't have any false moustaches, Janine. I would like to talk a little bit about Charles Lawton in The Big Clock, though, because he, does, he doesn't he does make my list, actually, but he oh. makes my nearly list. Okay, okay. And this is because I really don't think he suits that moustache no, at all. No, but it was just very memorable. Horrible in it. I mean, we had seen him in several things up to this film. So in seeing him in this kind of ridiculous mustache just played to you just kind of 
disliking this character even more because he had this ridiculous thing on his face. It just made him more of a ridiculous man. And I liked that it just added to hating this character that we're supposed to hate. So He's so wonderfully smarmy in that movie yes, as well. Yes, he thinks yeah. himself so big. Obviously gets shot down an elevator shaft at the, the end of the movie, doesn't he? Yes. Which is quite enjoyable. Glorious, yes. Um, but I think Charles Lawton nearly made it on mine, and I think probably did make it on yours, purely for his entrance into that movie. Janine, would you like to tell people how he <laughs> enters that movie? Uh, I think you can illustrate it a lot better than me. I, I mean... <laughs> How how he enters this movie is he he's, he comes up the elevator. There's a whole boardroom of people who are all waiting for him. He's a magazine editor, I think. Yes, it is, isn't it? In big clock. Um, and he comes up. He looks very lazy. He looks like he's just woken up, but he's obviously looking as uh, the most in power person possible because he's obviously huge. Yes, and boss. very intimidating looking. And he strolls into the boardroom, and he brushes his moustache, his tiny (laughs) little moustache. Think of Charlie Chaplin's moustache, but split in the middle. It's that Mm -hmm. small. Yes. It's that small. He brushes either side of his moustache with his right little finger. (laughs) And he's as though he's combing his moustache with his little finger. And he just goes, oh, yes. Oh, hello. How are you? Uh, yes, what's going on here? And he talks like that for the entire movie. He's constantly referring to his right-hand man, Steve. Hello, Steve. How are you? Would you give yes, me a massage? How could you not Steve? hate him? <laughs> He's wonderful. Charles Lawton is wonderful. He's wonderful in The Big Clock. And for that entrance alone, he nearly makes it into the Mustache Hall of Fame because it might be on screen the most someone's cared about their mustache that we've seen right and and a very sad mustache at that to put that much care and, into, yeah and, and focusing not, on it <laughs> it's a good mustache he just doesn't suit it i prefer a mustache less lawton yeah. which is unusual but he nearly does make it on mine um a few others that nearly made it for mine was actually just vincent price generally just but, <laughs> Some of my favorite movies, he doesn't have a mustache. Some yes, of my movies, some of the has, things we've covered on the show, beard. he hasn't had one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I one of my very very favorite Price movies is The Haunted Palace, where he has a full beard. Yeah. Um, so he he doesn't always just have a mustache. He obviously looks great in a mustache, but he looks great anyway, yes. all the time. Um, Robert Donat in The Count of Monte Cristo. Ooh. Actually makes my yeah. thin pencil mustache win. <laughs> okay. Um, more so than Clark Gable, I think his is, is a better defined pencil mustache. I think it's so clean, so I really like that. Um, Alec Guinness in Bridge on the River Kwai, Ooh, yes. who is able to make just this really defined British army mustache in. And, and keep it so nice looking in a prisoner of war camp, which <laughs> credit to you there, Alec Guinness. You know, I, yeah. I I like the bridge on the river quite. I like Alec Guinness in that. And Clark Gable in it happened one night for, for just iconic status of mustache and the fact he oh, yes. was the first inclusion. That was just for him in general, I think that's an iconic 
uh, signature of him, of his look. But um, uh, my my actual three, uh, I have one that's the same as yours, Janine. Um, so I suppose we'll talk about this first because I actually do think it, it's the best mustache in the mustache hall of fame, and it is indeed Gregory, Gregory Peck. Peck. In the gunfighter. Gun yes, you would not expect this man to look that good in a mustache. And he it just it fits him. It works. And it works for this character, it works for making him this character. Not only does he look great in the mustache, the mustache itself is so clean. It's so full. Yes. And just beautiful looking. And it's got a deeper reason as to why it is the best mustache in the Mustache Hall of Fame is because he was told by uh, the producers to, oh my God, get rid of the mustache. <laughs> I think it was Harry Cohn, actually. I think it's a Columbia movie. Um, so Harry Cohn at Columbia, get rid of the mustache, get rid of the mustache. Whether it was Harry Cohn or not, I think I'm... It was some, some big name producer, whoever was the studio, I forget now. Um, visited the set. Oh my God, why's Gregory got a mustache? We'll have to reshoot. He can't have a mustache. Gregory Pet fought for that mustache. <laughs> this is authentic, he said. This is what people at this time wore. They wore yeah. mustaches. We're, we're making an authentic Western here, which is, it, it is, it's a ridiculously authentic Western, all the way down to the clothes, the buildings, the sets, everything terribly terribly authentic there's nothing flashy there's nothing costumey about the gunfighter and he fights for this mustache he fights for this mustache and it works so well yes it looks great it looks great he wanted it he fought for it and it speaks to the character it speaks to the preciseness of the character but the determined nature of the character but also the just kind of leave me alone nature of the character. <laughs> yes. The trouble that follows him, you know. He's like, yeah. stop giving me grief about my mustache, but also stop giving me grief. I just want to have a drink in this bar. Please stop yeah. trying to kill me because you think I'm something special. That's within yes. the movie, obviously. There's a hell of a lot of reasons to love Gregory Peck in The Gunfighter and indeed his the wonderful, mustache. wonderful mustache. It's one of them. Um, who else did you have on there then? <laughs> Alan Arkin. <laughs> Alan Arkin. <laughs> mustache, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, seeing him play this very dark, evil character, this killer, um, you know, who just you know, puts on these disguises to trick people and play these parts. And so uh, he has this fake mustache and pretending to be this other person. And uh, it's just a very kind of silly moment, but uh, just speaks to the character in terms of just how smooth and slick he is and, uh, you know, how he can just ease into these different characters just to kind of screw with people. Uh, so, yeah, he, he was able to completely transform into a different person with the mustache uh and and you know it just speaks to who that character was of how he's able to to play people the way he does yeah. so yeah the false mustache though so you know <laughs> i'm not a fan of the inclusion janine but i'll give you it i'll give you it. and who else 
and Charles Lawton, the big clock. And we Charles talked about that. Yes, clock, of yes. course, yes. Well, my other two. It's actually, I, I suppose I was wrong when I said Robert Donut actually wins my pencil moustache award. Because who does win my, my pencil moustache award is William Powell in The Thin Man. Oh, yes. That's a fabulous who's just who, who suits his moustache so well that he just yeah. looks wrong without it. Yeah. <laughs> and this is also... This isn't the case with Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck obviously looks wonderful clean shaved. I think Clark Gable also doesn't, as, as famous as his moustache is, I think looks perfectly fine without one. I do not think William Powell does. I think William Powell looks weird without a moustache, <laughs> and I don't like him without a moustache. So William Powell in The Thin Man has to be, okay. yes. at least. I think that's fair. For just needing to have a moustache on your face. For your own success, and it just adds to his. It adds to his brilliance and sophistication. Um, it does, and it adds yeah. to his kind and, of silliness as and well. his silly whimsiness of him. Yes. yes, and actually, a surprise contender oh. in similar reasons to just similar quality reasons to Gregory Peck. Actually, Robert Redford in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, oh. whose moustache. Is very very similar to Gregory Peck's. Yes. In the Gunfighter, but it's just so fully just suits that mustache so well. Yeah. And another it's occasion of an actor we rarely mustache. see with a mustache. So. Yeah. Yeah. Rarely seen, but suits it brilliantly. Very well. Mm -hmm. Redford's had full beards in movies. He's been wonderfully clean shaven in movies. And you know, as we get. Later on in movies, obviously, later on in, in movie history, we get less and less moustaches. The 30s is prime moustache time. Yeah. But obviously the late 60s, with Butch Cassidy and, and Sundance, isn't necessarily prime moustache time in movies. And even a lot of westerns, obviously everybody's clean-shaven. A lot of American westerns, people are clean-shaven. You know, Paul Newman doesn't have a moustache in that movie, does he? But Paul Newman has had moustaches in movies. Paul Newman yes. has had moustaches in real life. But Robert Redford's as Sundance is a wonderful, wonderful moustache. And again, I just, I think it's the moustache I could have if I cared about my moustache. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the same colour, we have the same colour hair. Yeah. And beard. Myself and Robert Redford, that's that's my the one similarity I have to Robert Redford is... <laughs> Hair, hair color, color. facial <laughs> hair color. So I, I think it's the mustache I could have if I wanted to. Um, and I really like Redford's mustache in Butch and Sundance. So yes, there we go. All right. Top three favorite mustaches in the Mustache Hall of Fame. I don't know if we're going to have time for me to rattle off all the um, all the shows we've done. I mean, there's 250 episodes. I would like to. I would like to have the time to, but we do have awards to get into. Okay. Maybe I will. Yeah. Maybe I quickly. Maybe. Yes. May, okay. Okay. Let's, I, <laughs> let's do it this way, then. Let's do it this way, then. Okay. Just for reminiscing's sake, let's do the first 50. Okay. And, and move, move until, you know, move on. And okay. Not move on. Go but from go there. From, okay. Mm -hmm. Number one, Vertigo. Number two, Bringing Up Baby. Number three, Rebel Without a Cause. Number four, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Number five, Jason and the Argonauts. Number six, It Happened One Night. 
Number seven, West Side Story. Eight, Rebecca. Nine, The Mummy, 32. Number 10, Witchfinder General. Number 11, From Russia with Love. 12, High Noon. 13, The Adventures of Robin Hood. 14, Some Like It Hot. 15, Watership Down. 16, The Maltese Falcon. 17, Psycho. 18, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. 19, Peter Pan. 20, Fantastic Planet. 21, Animal Farm. 22, Sunset Boulevard. 23, The War of the Worlds. 24, The Wolfman. 25, The Innocents. 26, House of Usher. 27, Nosferatu. 28, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. 29, Captain Blood. 30, Lord of the Flies. 31, The Vikings. 32, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. 33, The Women. 34, An Inspector Calls. 35, Was a Christmas Special. A Christmas Carol. 1951 and Scrooge, 1970. 36, The Hound of the Baskervilles, 1939. Number 37, Stagecoach, 1939. Number 38, Rio Bravo. Number 39, My Darling Clementine. Number 40, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Number 41, Imitation of Life, 1959. Number 42, The Invisible Man. Number 43, To Sir with Love. Number 44 was Oliver Twist, 1948, and Oliver, 1968. Number 45, Carmen Jones. Number 46, Singing in the Rain. Number 47, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Number 48, The Wizard of Oz. Number 49, Paint Your Wagon. And then number 50 was a top five movies we've covered milestone episode. There we go. That didn't actually take too long, did it? We can carry on doing that. After, of course, we get into our um, awards. Now, I don't know if you want to start with the big awards or do you want to leave them till after? Or should we just go in the order we've got them written down? I think we can go in the order we have them. Well, let's just go in the order we've got them written down then. We're having fun today on on the the 250th, (laughs) aren't we? I mean, it's a big one. It's a big one to start with this, Jimmy. These two, actually, these first two are are massive, massive, very tough. Very, very tough. I've got an awful lot of nominees, shall we say. Yes. This is our favourite male performance. Not necessarily best, either. This is just how we interpret the word favourite. What is our favourite male performance? Janine, you've got the floor. This was tough. There were a lot of ones that I thought were fun. Uh, dynamic, dark. Um, but I went with um, Glenn Ford in Ransom! Exclamation Oh, point. wow! Okay. Yes. This was a bit of a surprise. Um, we'd seen quite a few things with Glenn Ford, and he always seemed very kind of even-tempered, um, a little stern, but, you know, not super dynamic, not super intense. And so seeing him kind of give a performance like that in this film uh, was really interesting, really surprising. The kind of depth and pain and and kind of anguish that he, he was able to portray in this film, uh, you know, losing his son and having to deal with his wife, kind of blaming him, but kind of having to stand his ground and everyone against his um, his ideas on how to handle the situation. 
So yeah, definitely just a surprise performance for me in 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 Glenn Ford. So something I hadn't seen from him up to the point of things we've covered with him on the show. So just for the fact that it was kind of a surprise for me, um, that's that was my choice. Do you have any Neelys? I mean, <laughs> uh, we have. Um, the Invisible Man, of course, Quad Reigns. Quad <laughs> Reigns in The Invisible Man. So See, I've, I've written down my nearlies on here Okay. as well. I didn't know if you were going to do that. I, I, I didn't. I didn't write them down, but there okay. were some kind of looming um, in, in my head for sure. Um, I thought about uh, Inherit the Wind. <laughs> there were some... Uh, you know. They're all great in Inherit, yes. in Inherit the Wind, yes. to be fair. Those leading three, they are. Yes, yes. Um, but um, yeah, this one just stood out to me as as an actor we kind of covered quite a bit of on the show and him kind of just okay, doing something different like than what I what I expected. So he really I surprised really, me in that movie. I, I'm, I'm quite shocked, but really pleasantly surprised, actually, <laughs> that Glenn Ford's got... Your your vote there. Favorite I mean, male performance. Yes, two hundred and fifty episodes. Yes, and then I, you know, I had a bit of recency bias as well with uh, Kirk Douglas in Ace in the Hole as well. That which you cannot fault. No, yes, you cannot. Fault. Really strong there, but yes, Glenn Ford surprised me. Glenn Ford surprised you. Glenn Ford is indeed wonderful. I mean, Glenn Ford didn't even make my my favorite male performance honorables my nominees and maybe i maybe i've forgotten how good he is in ransom because hearing you talk about it then he, he does actually give yeah. a wonderful performance in ransom and, and it is different to what we see we, yeah um i mean kirk douglas in ace in the hole does make my list there i mean gregory peck in roman holiday and the gunfighter makes my list i think he's obviously wonderful in both of those and this is in terms of favorite performance as well. Um, Jimmy Cagney in White Heat, I wanted oh. to mention. I think he's wonderful. Oh. Also for me, uh, Robert Mitchum, Knight of the Hunter as well, was yes. up there for me yes. as well. Claude Rains in The Invisible Man does make my <laughs> list as well. <laughs> for favorite performances, you, you, you can't not because yeah. he's just so delightfully <laughs> devious and evil yes. in that movie. Sydney Poitier in In the Heat of the Night, Ooh, which is yeah. is the best Poitier performance mm -hmm. we've covered on the show. I think yeah. I don't. He's always great, but I think Heat of the Night just takes him to another level, particularly for the ones we've covered on the show. Yeah. Um, in terms of personal favorites, that aren't necessarily kind of phenomenal performances, but are very very good performances. Gene Wilder in Willy Wonka. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Ron Moody as Fagan and Oliver, yes. which is, is you know, a, a personal favourite movie of mine. I just love him in that. Gary Cooper in High Noon. Charles Lawton in Witness for the Prosecution. Oh, my gosh, yes. But my, I think it, he was the first name I wrote on this list. And I think I haven't even like capitalized it like I've done with the rest of them to say this one wins. <laughs> yeah. But he's the first name I've wrote on this list, and I think it has to be, and you've mentioned him already. It's Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter. Yeah. 
Robert mm-hmm. Mitchum in The Night of the Hunter is on another level to, to so many other performances I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. The Night of the Hunter is quickly becoming one of my very, very favourite movies. And it's such a weird movie. <laughs> it's, you think it's a really dark movie, but it's really not. It's such a hopeful movie yes. by the end of it. It's split in those two distinct segments of just terror and evil, just criminal horribleness at the beginning. Yeah. For that first half, right up until, you know, Mitchum kills Shelley Winters and coming after the kids. Yeah. The kids get on the run. And then. Here is dear, sweet, hopeful Lillian Gish to help us all out. Yeah. And the movie totally changes. Changes, yeah. From just like, no, we it's now a protecting movie. It's now not an evil movie anymore. It's now this person's evil, but this one's not. It's not the Night of the Hunter you think for the first 50 minutes is, oh, Charles Lawton obviously directed the movie. Yeah. Must hate religious people. He, he must really not like organized religion. He look at how he's presenting organized religion, you know, Harry Powell, oh my god, giving it the big drawly Cain for able with this hand and love and hate and give it all yes. you know, the <laughs> coming together with his hands and yeah. preaching to everybody. Obviously Mitchum's great at doing that, but then it changes to be like, no, it, he's just telling you to not be a religious person like that. If you're being religious, be like Lillian Gish, who's equally as religious, but yes, really but awesome. not, Yeah, but not terrible and evil and using it as kind of this disguise of wholesome I- ideologies. And I love it. I love, I love it for doing that. I just think Mitchum himself is so on good. another level for just... Yeah. For somebody that I discovered from the show that I'd never seen in a movie before, he is becoming one of my favourites. Just his style. I love his style because he he seems so lazy and so <laughs> droopy-eyed yeah, and just kind of plodding around, but he gives so much energy. Yeah. Particularly in Night of the Hunter, he is a monster in that movie. He completely takes over everything that's going on. And I can watch that movie on kind of repeat. I feel like I can. And it's it's a weird movie to want to do that with, <laughs> I think. Yeah. But I really feel like I can. I find myself singing that his, his hymn little hymn tune. Yeah. <laughs> Of just leading, and it's every single time he's on screen, he's just belting this, yes, dooming him out. That he's just he's a ghost. There's one line in Night of the Hunter that epitomizes that character, and it's the kid, you know, the son who says it. I think he's his name, John. Um. I think the the child acting from him in particular oh, yeah. actually is really great mm-hmm. as well. Pearl, the girl, isn't great. No. <laughs> she's kind of she's not great, but he's really got the kid playing John the son. Yeah. And he just says, Don't he ever sleep? 
because they're trying to sleep in his yeah, arm and he's or just something going like on. that, and he's yeah. just trundling along on his horse in the starry yeah. moonlight, singing, leaning. Um, he's outstanding in Night of the Hunter. He's one of my very, very favourite performances ever, yeah. and certainly, I think, my favourite male performance in a movie we have covered. I love it. That's yes. A one. That's a really good one. Yes. Favourite female performance, Benjamin. I mean, there's some powerhouse yes. ones in this as I well. I mean, this was tough. This was tough. Um, you know, Joanne Woodward in The Three Faces of Eve. Oh, yes, yes, Great. yes. Um, Patty McCormick in The Bad Seed. Um, Ingrid Bergman, Gaslight. Ingrid Bergman in Gaslight did make my list. Yes. Um, but I went with uh, Marlena Dietrich, witness for the prosecution. Which I cannot fault because she does make my list. She has to. I love Marlena Dietrich. Yes. I the way she this. kind of just goes toe-to-toe with Charles Lawton and her demeanor and... Um, you know, even her kind of just going for it with these, <laughs> with the Cockney thing, and yeah, weird, <laughs> you know. Um, but just her style and her kind of confidence and uh, her passion, um, but her also kind of being able to hold it together—it's uh, just so intense. She has such an intensity; it's so good. Yes, so I, I, I can't fault that. I mean, she does make my list. Ingrid Bergman in Gaslight does make my list as just a really just unfortunate character who, thank God, she gets her own back by the end of that movie. (laughs) It's so satisfying. Um, I mean, a bunch of my other ones in terms of favourite. Rosalind Russell in His Girl Friday, I think, is one of the great Hollywood Mm -hmm. comedic performances. Stanwyck. In Double Indemnity. Yes. Um, Catherine Hepburn in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, I think, Mm -hmm. is my favourite of hers. But someone like Catherine Hepburn, I think, is just so consistent. Yes. That nothing tends to stand out. I mean, she won Oscar after Oscar after Oscar. Yes. But nothing... I don't think there's one that's just like, yeah, that's the... That's the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think there is with Mitchum. Like I've just said, I think Night of the Hunter, I think Mitchum's always great in what I've seen him in, but this one's on another level. Yeah, same with Glenn Ford. Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. Glenn, same with Glenn Ford. Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday. Yes. If I'm yes. putting Peck in there, I'm putting Audrey Hepburn in there. Yeah. You know. Betty Davis in he, A Stolen Life. Betty Davis in A Stolen... Betty Davis in all of our... anything, movies. yeah. <laughs> Betty Davis in anything. Again, we've got consistency yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um... I, I did put Dietrich in there in Witness for the prosecution. Like I said, I put Bergman in there for Gaslight. I put Celia Johnson in there in Brief Encounter. Oh, yes. Mm. Who is so understated. Yeah. Just devastating. Yes. yes, that final scene. Wonderful. Oh, so painful. In terms of favourite for cheerfulness, Angela Lansbury in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Oh, yes. Can't fault. But my top two, and again, one of them was the first one I wrote down, so I kind of have to go with this one, I think. Mm -hmm. But my top two are very, very close. And they're both really damaged people, unfortunately. 
<laughs> one's Vivian Lee in Streetcar Named Desire. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just think he's one of the great performances. Yes. But really, I think my favourite is Glorious Swanson in Sunset Boulevard. Okay. Yes, definitely. Who is to do something like that to to be away from major acting for so long she was obviously a silent star yeah and to come back and this un- as this unhinged woman as this unhinged former silent star to essentially play a play herself yes mm-hmm. but this really dream version, version of yeah. it. sunset boulevard is a terribly dark movie she is unbelievable in it and she's so you have so much pity for her but you you also have so much frustration with her you can see both william holden's side and eric von stroheim's side in that movie Mm -hmm. because eric von stroheim's her like butler yeah who's just like yeah just just let her think what she wants to think you know don't tell her the truth let her live in her delusion yeah let her live in her delusion it'll be better for her will it though that this is william holden's entire argument in the movie it's not just tell her the truth she's you know fading she's old you know she's she used to be big no she comes back with i am big it's the pictures that got small and she's just giving brilliant so much presence yes to that, that final movie. moment so memorable to that final moment crawling towards the camera like some sort yeah. of spirit almost at that point isn't she you know i'm ready for my close-up and all that yeah it's an unbelievable performance and obviously with the deeper meaning of her essentially playing doing what michael keaton did in birdman yeah <laughs> you know essentially to win the oscar it's it's playing a version of herself that she yeah. could have become but clearly didn't because she was able to play this <laughs> play that yeah and you know must have been self-aware but it's it's phenomenal i have to give it to glorious yes. Watson yeah definitely um well let's rattle off some more titles i think before we move on to our next couple um number 51 episode number 51 was alice in wonderland disney's Mm -hmm. Uh, 52 was the bad seed number 53 was creature from the black lagoon 54 was bedknobs and broomsticks 55 was them (laughs) 56 was invasion of the body snatchers 57 night of the demon or curse of the demon depending on what you want to call it 58, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. 59 was Pillow Talk. 60 was Pinocchio Disney's. 61, The Lion in Winter. 62, The Bishop's Wife, which is a wonderful movie. Yes. 63, The Court Jester. 64, Double Indemnity. 65, Laura. 66, Night of the Living Dead. 67, Sabrina. 68, My Fair Lady. 69, Phantom of the Opera, Lon Chaney's. 60, uh, no, uh, 70, Cinderella. 71, The Little Princess. 72, Friedrich March, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> Let's pronounce it properly. Yeah. 73, Born Yesterday. 74, M. 75, Fantasia. 76, The Haunting. 77, House of Wax. 78, House on Haunted Hill. 79, Village of the Damned. 80, Cape Fear. 81 of Mice and Men, 82, 12 Angry Men, 
83, The Great Dictator 84 was a couple of carry-on movies, carry-on Cleo and carry-on Doctor. 85, His Girl Friday. 86, The Shop Around the Corner. 87 was a holiday special. 88, Father of the Bride. 89, Cat People. 90, Bedazzled. 91, Macbeth. 92, Notorious. 93, Frankenstein. 94 was our Little Women retrospective. 95, Bride of Frankenstein. 96, The Defiant Ones. 97, Goldfinger. 98, The Lady Vanishes. 99, The Phantom of the Opera. 1943 with Gold Reigns. And the 100th was a top 10 movies we've covered special. Yes. Okay. Next up on our awards, Janine, (laughs) we have favourite movie title. Ah. Now, this is just pure title. Yes. Pure title. Not not favourite movie. Just what is the best title? Could be the silliest title. Could be the fun title. Could be a fun title. Won't be a bad title because that actually comes next. Yes. Um, but this is our favourite movie title. Mine might not be what you think it is, Janine, but I have a feeling yours is what I think it is. Oh, yes. Mine is Ace in the Hole. Oh, yes, of course it is. Yes, I said this on the episode. I think it's just such a perfect title to encompass the plot of the film. It has all these layers in terms of what happens in the movie. Um, so just a very smart title that speaks to the plot in, in so many different ways. Um, Ace in the Hole kind of speaks to the character who's trapped literally in a hole and that person being trapped in a hole being, uh, the ace, the winning story for this character. Um, so yeah, just perfect. A perfect well, depiction Douglas of himself, Chuck Tatum himself being an ace in the hole in his profession. Yes. Yes. Even though he's horrible. he's the most evil person possible yes but he's pretty good at what he does yes yes it's a a i just like the layers of that title title. yeah you do you do i mean my my choice is is similar in that sense i think i just think there's something a bit poetic about my choice i mean ace in the hole was one of my choices there i mean i've gone silly with a couple of them Mr. Blandings builds his dream house is obviously a, a favourite just because of how ridiculous of a title it is. Yes. Mr. Deeds goes to town because yes. it just, it, it's like a children's storybook, isn't it? Yes. Ooh, this little piggy went to town, and it's, but it's just Gary Cooper. Yes. Night of the Hunter. The Night of the Hunter. It's very cool. Yeah. It's 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 poetic as a title. Hunter. He's a hunter. He's a predator. Yeah. In that movie, he's not human. Brief encounter. Encounter. I think the movie en- uh, the word encounter is what yeah. makes that title great. If that is an encounter, what the hell is true love to these people? Yeah. You know. If that is a brief encounter, it's so played down. It's yes. so perfectly British. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, our the the, be, the the most impressive love story ever is our little it's brief encounter. down to a brief encounter. Yes, um, but yes, I think it speaks to kind of they see it as a brief encounter in the span of the whole of their lives. Of course, you know? of course. <laughs> but... I love it as a title, yes. but I actually chose Sweet Smell of Success Ooh. as my choice. 
Okay. Because it rolls. Sweet smell of success. It's mm-hmm. a pulpy title. Yeah. It's a, a, a shocking title. But it's a title that's so pleasant compared to the movie that it's about. That it is. Yeah. Sweet smell of success. You think, oh, this is going to be a cheerful story about somebody getting successful. No, 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 no. This is a movie about evil machinations. This is a movie about Burt Lancaster being the most downright horrible gossip columnist possible and just berating Tony Curtis whenever he comes across him. Yeah. Tony Curtis running around like a lunatic trying to get any possible story you can and manipulate every situation. And then obviously try and backstab Burt Lancaster. That doesn't work. Yeah. It's like an early night crawler. (laughs) It is. It is. But sweet smell of success. There's also something sinister about that continuing S S, sound. It's sneaky. It's sinister it's serpentile you know shady all yes. these words that are just s s s there's something evil about the letter s inherently yes in the in culture there's something evil about the letter s and snakes and things that hiss yeah. and that title hisses at you sweet smell of success it sounds nice but fits that movie beautifully Purely because of how much it obviously doesn't sound like the movie. What happens? Peel yeah. back that layer. When mm-hmm. you peel back that layer, Very it's dark. a perfect, perfect title. So yes, sweet smell of success. Janine, I don't think we need to spend much time on the award <laughs> worst movie title. Well, mine because is. This, is. this is how you think of it. This is whatever, you know, in yeah. your opinion, is it's yes. just the worst movie title for whatever reason you may give. Well, mine is, in fact, Mr. Blandy. Oh. <laughs> Spilt his dream house. As worst? <laughs> it's just so long. <laughs> silly is sure, but worst? It's worst, because it's just too silly. It's too long. Okay. <laughs> Especially if you look at its remake, The Money Pit. <laughs> Yes. Yes. It is a silly title, it is, but it, it was one of my favourites because of how silly it is. Yes, Bedtime you... Stories is also kind of like silly Bedtime as well. Story and a bit of a like silly... It, has, it doesn't really have anything to do with like what the movie's about. No. Well, okay. <laughs> just just for silly reasons, yours was Yes, it's, just, it's just too long and goofy. Like, what? Well, my worst movie title is actually for a... a pretty i think i think it's a good reason and and the reason that i've chosen this as worst movie title is actually because i love the movie and the title of it put me off watching it for so long because of just how bland and boring the title is (laughs) because it, it seems like such a dull movie when you just look at the title but it's anything but we've already spoken about this movie in in a few different things and by far the worst title is witness for the prosecution <laughs> yeah what a boring boring dull title witness yeah. for the prosecution oh god yeah i want to sit in a courtroom for 7 hours yeah it's very you official. know sure 
I want to do that. It's too legally. It's too yeah. official. It's yeah. too just, oh, God, this is going to be a drab affair, isn't it? Yeah. No. No, it isn't. Why did I let this title put me off watching this movie for so long until <laughs> we covered it for the show? Yes. Yeah, and I adore this movie. It's an incredible movie. Oh, my God, why is it called Witness for the Prosecution? <laughs> Why never put the word prosecution in a title? Yeah, anything boring, boring <laughs> title for just one of the great courtroom movies. Yes. Truly, arguably the best one. ever courtroom movie. Yes, worst movie title hands Lisa down. I didn't you even know put any honourable mentions for this one. It does. <laughs> But I didn't even put anything else down for this. It was just always witness for the prosecution. <laughs> yes, that is fair. That is fair. Okay. Um, let's, uh, should we rattle off some more? Should we rattle off some more titles? Let's do let's one more category. Some... Well, let's and do then... one more category then. One more category. Our next category is funniest movie. Ooh. <laughs> Um, yes, I think you, I think you might have a good idea of what I'm going to say. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. <laughs> okay. I mean, I like, I, mean, I like the shout. I like the shout. I mean, it's just great. Him running around, <laughs> knocking people over, giving zero Fs, just skipping around. Yes. Being completely naked. On a bicycle, yeah. just running into people. I mean, he's completely unhinged, and and then Una or O'Connor just squawking, running around. Uh, yes, that's in a, a panic. Good so good. Um, just I every time yeah. I watch it, it, it just uh, makes me laugh. It makes me laugh. Um, I, the only other one on my list, I think, was Willy Wonka, but um. Which oh, oh yes, it's very. <laughs> but again, I think especially just think that was... episode was just a lot of fun and very funny. Yes. in terms of us kind of talking about the randomness of where it takes place and um and all of that. I think so. there's unintentional humor in both of these movies. Yes, <laughs> in both Willy Wonka and The Invisible Man. Yes. I think there's there's elements to The Invisible Man that are obviously intentionally campy. Yeah, but. Not necessarily kind of the stupid way we look at it now. As as we almost view The Invisible Man as a wonderful movie now because of just how silly it is a lot of the time. And yes. it's not really its intention, I don't think. No, I don't think that's what it was going for, but it cracks um, me up every time. I can't fault Willy Wonka <laughs> either. I mean, I've actually gone with The Thin Man. Okay. Because I just think for for banter reasons, for the fact they are continually drunk for the fact William Powell is just the snarkiest you've ever seen anybody ever and he's just he's having arguments with himself in that movie yeah and Myrna Law is obviously great as well yeah how they get on together is very comical yeah it is it's very comical it's it's actually kind of laugh out loud funny and that's rare really Mm -hmm. For, for movies of this kind even even the great screwball comedies bringing up baby his girl friday you know they make my list they are funny they are 
light and enjoyable. There are elements to those movies, particularly, I think, bringing up Baby because of how manic it is. Yeah. That is very funny. There's elements to Cary Grant in His Girl Friday, Cary Grant in particular, that I do find very funny when he's kind of... The, the whole Bruce Baldwin situation at the beginning of the movie, when he's obviously going to the wrong person, <laughs> saying, oh, hello, Mr. Baldwin, how are you? And he's just this old, decrepit man. Yeah. And it should be Ralph Bellamy. It's a very self-aware movie as well, actually, His Girl Friday, um, which I only got on a recent rewatch. I only kind of, picked up for some that. reason, finally grasped it. It's actually a very, very meta movie. It, it makes jokes about its own cast and things like that oh. in, <laughs> within the script. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, Carry On Doctor I've also put in there because it's one of the best Carry oh, On yeah. movies. It's just silly. And I Married a Witch just for that one scene. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love you truly. Just for that one scene. Truly it's silly. Yes. But the Thin Man, the Thin Man does yeah, take my, my award for that. Let's rattle off some okay. more then. Episode 101, Bridge on the River Kwai. 102, The Flight of the Phoenix. 103, Count of Monte Cristo, 104, A Stolen Life, 105, was a Zorro retrospective, 106, The Parent Trap, 107, An Affair to Remember, 108, Spartacus, 109, Bedtime Story, 110, Mr. Blandings builds his dream house, 111, Breakfast at Tiffany's, 112, The Poseidon Adventure, 113, The Nutty Professor, 114, The Three Faces of Eve, 150, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. 116, The Producers. 117, The Manchurian Candidate. 118, Jaws. 119, In the Heat of the Night. 120, 20, Throne of Blood. 121, Roman Holiday. 122, Yojimbo. 123, The Thomas Crown Affair. 124, Blackboard Jungle. 125, The Sound of Music. 126, 101, Dalmatians. 127, The Apartment. One to eight, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the most un-It's a Wonderful Podcast movie <laughs> yeah. in this entire list. One to nine, I Married a Witch. One thirty, Peeping Tom. One thirty-one, Bell Book and Candle. One thirty-two, The Fly. Nine fifty-eight. One three three, Tower of London. Nineteen sixty-two. One three four, Citizen Kane. One three five, Rear Window. One three six, Treasure Island. One three seven, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. 138 Christmas in Connecticut. 139 The Thin Man. 140 It Happened on Fifth Avenue. 141 After the Thin Man. 142 The Last Man on Earth. 143 The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. 144 The Mummy 1959. 145 Marnie. 146 A Streetcar Named Desire. 147 Death Takes a Holiday. 148 Midnight Cowboy. 149 A Patch of Blue. And we had an awards show for the one. 50th mm. okay well next up we have darkest movie which is an interesting one yes. <laughs> i mean i think i have gone with with one that we have talked about a few times okay. already yeah perhaps it's recency bias <laughs> but i would like to hear what you think about darkest movie okay well um there were a couple that i thought about 
Carnival of Souls. Um, Yes. yes. But I went with the portrait of Dorian Gray. Picture of Dorian Gray. Yes, yes. Um, Darkest. Well, I mean, it just near the end when we finally see the painting and it's so gross and that kill and the swinging light and all of that okay um okay. just Ooh, I that i hate I, it yes that whole kind of finale of just how you know the reveal of everything and, and the kills that kind of happen near the end that just was very fresh in my mind um uh, how that whole scene was filmed with the shadows and yeah like the just the light flashing around and the, the skulking and the yeah so that scene just kind of really stuck with me and just the dark kind of gothic tone of the whole film in general and the secret you know the, the secretiveness yeah. of kind of what was going on and even the leaving of angela angela lansbury's character and just how sad yeah. and heartbreaking that scene is um you know plays into kind of the darker elements so yeah i think just the the strength of how dark that movie gets towards the end is what was just sticking with me fair enough i i i didn't go a horror route to be honest with you i didn't go a horror route which is perhaps unusual when you consider darkest movie but i think what a dark movie is to me isn't necessarily a horror movie because i enjoy them so much it's a movie that Did just you go with a noir <laughs> a, a, a noir adjacent okay noir okay. adjacent <laughs> but it's a movie that just leaves me feeling like the entire movie was just telling me how bad everybody was <laughs> just how bad the world is the world's you know full of horrible Hopeless. people yeah it's hopeless. This is a horrible movie because the darkest movie is Ace in the Hole. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's so bleak. Yeah. It's so everybody's horrible. No redemption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody's any redemption. It is the most moralist movie possible as well because <laughs> it's Billy Wilder telling you don't be like any of these people in this movie please and chuck tatum is one of the darkest characters we've covered just because of how far he goes yes to the point where he it 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 is apparent to him how terrible yeah he's become you know i mean i've put others on my list i've put sweet smell of success on my list because i think it's it's terrible it's very very similar Mm mm-hmm I've put something like The Last Man on Earth on with Vincent okay. because it's M a is miserable. pretty dark, I'd say. M's pretty dark. M's pretty dark. The Last Man on Earth, ridiculously bleak. Nothing yeah. good happens, but at least it's got Vincent Price trying in that movie. At least he as a character yeah. is hopeful. Yeah. The Manchurian Candidate Ooh, is mm-hmm. pretty dark. And no way out. He's yeah. pretty dark for a little bit of a different reason. It's, yeah. But at least at the end, you kind of get a bit of, yeah, here's some stabby stabby for Richard Whitlock, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But Ace in the Hole does take my uh, take my award for darkest movie. Yeah, I, I can see that. certainly does. Next up, we have favourite pre-code movie. This is a particular favourite 
of mine. Janine, what have you gone with for favourite pre-code? Uh, I couldn't decide. This is any movie. Well, this is any movie, any Hollywood movie from yes. 1930 to 1934. Um, I couldn't decide um, between the thin man and death takes a holiday so they're kind okay. of like tied for me i, I absolutely good. loved the thin man for that couple dynamic um of nick and nora just feeling so modern um just feeling like a couple that exists today like tease each other they mock each other they see each other as equals um you know uh, they both have something to contribute. She's just as much helpful in kind of solving things as he is. She will kind of figure things out when he doesn't, and he values her in that way. Um, as we kind of get into later things, it's like, you know, there is more of that, you know, male above female kind of power dynamic um, kind of happening. Yeah, it's not the so, case in pre-code. Yeah, so very much uh, very open kind of conversations and silliness and, and you know, kind of hitting each other and teasing each other and, and you know, taking fun little jabs at each other. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so just a very modern feeling dynamic that I really loved. Um, and then, yeah, Death Takes a Holiday, just kind of the silliness and kind of the risque conversations. Like, we presumably have like a homosexual character yeah. in the movie and it's just very open and it's not kind of shied away from and um so i love that it's very much again very modern feeling in terms of the conversations people have and you know people talking about uh drinking and doing drugs and you know um being very risque in in terms of language and attitudes towards things so um kind of taking those shackles off of conversations you see really make characters feel more real. So, um, yeah, I am. I liked that about death takes a holiday. So, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, what I've got, what I've gone with, I mean, I'll, I'll say a couple of honorables, Frankenstein, mm -hmm. Frankenstein, 1931, yeah. Scarface, 1932, mm -hmm. Queen Christina, with Greta Garbo, 1933, which is a deeply pre-code movie <laughs> for just how Garbo is yeah. in that movie. It's, it's, it's ridiculously good. Um, but in a similar reason to your, you know, reason of the Thin Man, I've actually gone with Trouble in Paradise, okay. 1932, Lubitsch, just for gender back and forth yeah and for the the real equal nature of, of everybody in that movie and just the kind of the fact we're dealing with criminals but we love them yeah <laughs> you know they're 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 not good people but they are entirely the movie's heroes yes you know, we are entirely rooting for them. We're to totally endeared the, to them. The robbery they're going to <laughs> yeah. commit, which is never the case when you get the code in in place. Yeah. The code doesn't. You want have to them. villainize them in some way. But Trouble in Paradise does want this. Herbert Marshall's great. Miriam Hopkins is great. Kay Francis is great. They have that trifecta of, of their trifecta dynamic is wonderful. 
with each yeah. other. You've got infidelity left, right, and center. Edward Everett Horton's in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and therefore, it just elevates it to another level in terms of <laughs> pre-coldness yeah. because he's able to just flap himself around. And it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. It, it's it's such a light movie. It's such an enjoyable movie to watch. And it's just deeply pre-code in its sensibilities entirely. Yeah. And I love it for that. So I have to go with Trouble in Paradise, Janine. Nice pick. Um, let's do one more. One more um, category. Okay. This is now our favourite actor, male actor, discovered from the show. And this is somebody that we'd never watched any movie with them before we covered one for the show. Okay. Maybe have since done several because we love them so much. Because I hope we have the same. I really well, hope we have the same. This one we haven't covered anything else of theirs. Oh. Yes. This is interesting. It's then. now I'm surprised that you didn't pick this one. So favorite actor discovered from the show for me. Yes, yes. Is a Victor Mature from Kiss of Death. Oh, from Kiss of Death. <laughs> yes. He was a, a huge surprise. I hadn't heard of him ever. And seeing this movie, like great performance and you know very kind of attractive and charismatic and you feel for him um you trust him uh you know he's seemingly this criminal but you really want to see good happen to him and you hate to see kind of him be this victim of circumstances even when he's trying to do better um so yeah just kind of the the sympathy that he plays in that and and the pain and then the the wanting better and um yeah just he was he was such a nice surprise I, very unexpected and it's, i definitely very wanted fair, more but... with him i definitely yes he he left me wanting to see him in more things that's a very very good point and a very very good choice and i think you've you've chosen victor mature because you'd never heard of him not yes. only never seen anything with him yes yeah i've not i've not gone with never heard of okay. i've just gone with so never he was seen. i discovered him on this show you but... discovered him as a person even. yes <laughs> yes so yeah so there's there's people on here who i had heard of um but had never seen anything since you know since we we covered them for the show yeah. one of them is glenn ford who you picked as your yeah. favorite male performance who i'd yes. never seen anything before we did a blackball jungle actually i think was the first glenn ford movie oh was it a stolen life or did you do no Black Black Ball, jungle with Black nolan jungle before came, yes came yeah. before but a stolen life was the first one we did. we did and then obviously we've done the big heat we've done a fair in trinidad we've done ransom <laughs> we've done several glenn yes. ford movies um William Powell, William yeah. Powell, I, I I had barely mm -hmm. heard of before, Me neither. Mm -hmm. and just fell in love with him. Yes, Richard Widmark, I've even put down there, just for being devious, and because I I have got such an affection for noir movies now, I think he's such a wonderful actor. 
character for those yeah. style of movies. Um, I, I really, I really take took a liking to Richard Widmark, even though obviously the first movie I saw him in was No Way Out, and he was obviously just horrible in that oh, movie. Oh yes, yes. But played it so well, played yeah. it so so well. But it's obvious to me because I had heard of this person, but I'd never seen them in anything before we watched Witness for the Prosecution. And this is Charles Lawton. Yes, that's a great We did one. an entire impromptu <laughs> series of Charles Lawton because yeah. we just immediately fell in love with him. Yes. And I'd never seen him in anything, and I discovered him thanks to this show and finally watching Witness for the Prosecution. So it has to be Charles Lawton. Yes. The amount we've covered, the amount we show love to Charles Lawton, yeah. There's no other. There's no other choice for me there. Okay, that's a very good one. Yes, yes. I mean, Kirk Douglas for me too. Like, I had never seen anything with Kirk Douglas ah, okay. doing this show. So See, there's a few. There's a few that I had mm-hmm. that you know you might think yeah. um, you might think Mitchum would be in there, but I had seen Mitchum before. Kirk Douglas, yes, I had seen him before. Burt Lancaster, yes, I had seen him before. And obviously, there's phenomenal actors in here your jimmy stewart's your Cary grants your henry fonders and things like this who are just unbelievable performers yeah but i had watched movies of theirs before we ever started this show These yeah are people sydney poitier obviously sydney poitier is arguably the show's favorite actor yes but i had obviously <laughs> watched poitier movies before yeah. we did this show um but lawton i hadn't lawton i hadn't so yeah. I have to give it to Lawton. I like that. I like Victor Mature, though. I like your uh, your choice of Victor Mature. Let's do some more rattling off. Okay. Number 151 was Scarface. 152, Queen Christina. 153, The Divorcee. 154, Blonde Crazy. 155, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. 156, Fist of Fury with Bruce Lee. 157, All About Eve. 158, One-Armed Swordsman. 159, The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex. Also a contender for worst title. (laughs) 160, 42nd Street. 161, Stormy Weather. 162, It's Alive. 163, Cabin in the Sky. 164, Gypsy. 165, Separate Tables. 166, Black Sunday. 167, Dialem for Murder. 168, The Reptile. 169, The Big Heat. 170, Superman, 78. 171, Witness for the Prosecution. 172, Hobson's Choice. 173, Mutiny on the Bounty. 174, The Night of the Hunter. 175, Beyond a Reasonable Doubt, which is, again, not a good title. 176, (laughs) Charade. 177, Enter the Dragon. 178, The Tingler. 179, The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. 180, mm-hmm. The Uninvited, 181, 13 Ghosts, 182, Dead of Night, 183, Carnival of Souls, 184, Repulsion, 185, Wait Until Dark, 186, Adam's Rib, 187, Gambit, 188, Meet Me in St. Louis, 189, Meet John Doe, 190, Holiday Inn, 191, Holiday Affair, 192, Nightmare Alley, 193, Was a Celebration of Sydney Poitier, following his unfortunate passing. 194, White Heat. 
195, Death Race 2000. Again, one of just the most units of wonderful podcast movies we've ever done. 196, The Blob, 1958. 197 was a Mae West double feature of She Done Him Wrong and I'm No Angel. 198, Batman 66. 199, Morocco. And the 200th episode was a favourite throughout the decades special. Which is ironic, considering what we've coming up very soon. <laughs> um, favorite actress discovered from the show is our next topic, Janine. Yes. So, I mean, mine are two very big names who obviously I was familiar with, but had never seen any of their films. I mean, I thought about some other ones like Judy Holiday. Um, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I had never seen any movies of Audrey Hepburn or Ingrid Bergman before doing okay. the show. Okay. So very much familiar with their films, knew of them, but never had seen anything with them in it. So I kind of just tied them both. Um, so since then, have seen them in many things. And, um, you know, I mentioned Gaslight as a great performance um, from Ingrid Bergman. Um, Notorious, I absolutely love that film. In uh, uh, even with Audrey, I love Roman Holiday. That's kind of her debut performance. So um, one of my favorite films in Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, Sabrina, so yeah, yeah, I think these were some big names that I just had never really <laughs> watched. I thought about yeah. Barbara Stanwyck, but I had actually seen Double Indemnity before um, ah, okay. I came on the show. So um, okay, yes. I mean, I've got big, I've got massive names in mind, really as well. Stanwyck, Stanwyck's in mind. I hadn't seen Double Indemnity before we did it for the show. Ooh. So before, before it wasn't an episode you were on, but. It has been done on the show. Um, Greta Garbo's in there. Rita Hayworth's in there. Yeah. Gloria Graham's in there. Mm-hmm. Gloria Graham, I just love. Again, speaking to my noir tendencies, I now yeah. I've just kind of fallen in love with Gloria Graham first in the big heat that we did on the show. Yeah. But strangely enough, very, very strangely enough, and it's obvious when you think about it, but my favorite actress discovered from the show that for some reason I'd never seen before we did A Stolen Life is Betty Davis. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Betty Davis. Wow, that's this. crazy. Because <laughs> I actually had seen um, All About Eve on a plane. I think on my okay. way home from visiting you, <laughs> oh, okay. I watched all about Eve. So I had seen it before I was, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Weird. Weird that we'd never <laughs> obviously watched yeah. Betty Davis. It's it's yeah. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. That's a huge Well, name. um how many more do we have left to to oh, we have, we've only got one we're now we're on to our our decades. We are on to our decades. Let's get through these decades, Janine, quickly, as I don't think we have much time, unfortunately. (laughs) Okay. Um, So my favorite 30s was It Happened Tonight. Favorite 30s movie. Any movie from the 30s, what is your favorite? It Happened happened One Night. Yes. Um, Just very much the uh, kind of quintessential rom-com and just very nice surprise to see this film 
be so much like what rom-coms are today. It's my favorite genre. So um, to kind of see these, the bones of this movie really kind of play into what rom-coms are today. And that just, that felt very special to me. So I absolutely just thought this movie was charming, loved the chemistry, uh, the kind of silliness between the two characters. Um and very much still kind of being able to hold on to that modernity, even though it is not, you know, it, it's it's getting closer to kind of coded times. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I really love. I, I really love that movie. So, I was struggling to pick my favorite <laughs> '30s movie because obviously there's, I love pre-code, but yes. I love horror. <laughs> I yeah. love 30s horror. I haven't gone with either a horror or a pre-code movie. Oh, okay. I haven't even gone with an English language movie. Oh. Because I've gone with M. Ah. Yes, I've gone with Fritz Lang's M. You love some M. I do love M. <laughs> yes. Wonderful movie. Yes, how it just builds to this moral kind of, kind of, uh, debate by the end it's just like i would it's very unexpected that it went there for me when i watched it it's an incredible movie yes you have this clear villain but then it there's this moral debate that kind of comes out of it at the end um and it's just so brilliantly done and you don't expect it to go there obviously coming up with these decade ones i was kind of scrolling through the whole list and just going okay what beats what like yeah you know <laughs> Okay, that's that's winning for now, but then what comes after? Okay, that's winning now. Okay. Yeah. And it's full of horror, it's full of pre-code, it's full of screwball comedy, and I love them. Yeah. I love them. But M's just shot out like a bright light at me. And yeah. It's just gone. Yes, it's this one. Pick me. Yeah. Pick me. I'm great. <laughs> that's fair. Peter Laurie's wide eyes have just bulged out at me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have to go with it. I have to go with that's it. Right. Well, that's right. Favorite forties movie, yeah. Janine. I, I was convinced you... I would pick a noir movie, but I haven't. No, um, mine is, of course, the Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Oh, of course, <laughs> I, it I is. absolutely yes. just fell in love with this movie. Um, the performances, and I don't know, Rex Harrison just has my heart in that movie, and it's funny and it's charming. Not in anything else, but and, <laughs> no, not in anything else, but that one, he, he totally has my heart. Um, and, and it's funny and it's charming, and you have a strong female character who's very independent, and you don't see a lot of that. So I loved, I loved our lead character and her kind of just wanting to get away from her family and standing on her own and also kind of her standing up to this surly captain and their whole kind of dynamic and uh this love story that can't be because he's not you know of this earth and all of these just very you know kind of charming and a little bit dark and romantic and haunting and um yeah getting to see the build of their relationship and the chemistry between the two of them was really great and george um, sanders coming into ruin the day yes yes um but yeah just loved having a strong female character who was very independent and and then kind of you know standing up to this very kind of tough ghostly man yeah. <laughs> um mm -hmm. fair enough yeah and and having this romance kind of in between the in between the words you know so, yeah which it very much is. It very much is. Yeah. I I I've kind of gone with a little bit of a tie, but I'm gonna okay. choose one. 
Um, I, his Girl Friday. Now I've recently rewatched His Girl Friday, mm-hmm. and I just I got so much more out of it from this rewatch somehow. So much more subtlety yeah. and this self awareness that for some reason I hadn't grasped onto before that it has um, as just a really tight comedy. And but it's much more than just a comedy movie. It's much more than a light comedy movie. I think it's a wonderful newspaper movie. I mean, we talked about newspaper movies to start off this year on the show. It's yeah. a wonderful newspaper movie. Um, So it has to be up there for me. Okay. But I, I do feel like this other one's screaming out at me a little bit more just from Pleasant Surprise... I wasn't expecting to love this as anywhere near as much. Okay. And it's La Bella La Bette. Oh, yes. 1946. Again, I've not gone with an English language movie here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. But I think it is. I think it's my favourite 40s movie we've, we've covered, just from enjoyability yeah. and wonder. And I feel like you could rewatch it an awful lot and just be whisked away in a world of magic. Yes, it's beautiful. It's Rather than magical. a lot of the noir movies, which I can rewatch, but are kind of just like, oh yeah, that oh, was so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But La, La, um, yeah, La Bella yeah. La Bette. Beautiful. I love that movie. Um, so yes, I kind of have a similar dilemma that you just had of picking two and one kind of having a recency just watched bias and also being okay. watched in in a very magnificent way. So ah. normally I would probably pick Witness for the Prosecution because that movie's just brilliant. I mean, it has great tones of, you know, just the comedic uh dynamic between uh you know Charles Lawton and Elsa Lunchester and yes. um, you know and then you get into the thriller aspects and the kind of twisted nature of what's going on in this case and this kind of cat and mouse kind of back and forth and all of the thriller aspects are just so brilliantly done um we've spoken about Dietrich we haven't even yes yet. Tyrone Power and power. how yes. Tyrone Power is in that yes movie. so that movie is just perfectly done well done perfect movie but i recently got to see roman holiday on the big screen for the first time for its big 70th anniversary and the movie is just so damn charming just one perfect day uh beautiful like um you know fighting to have it filmed on location in the city it just was not done um so getting to be in these beautiful locations and then just gregory peck just you know playing against type so well and being just silly and we never get to see him as silly like that's like my all-time favorite thing about that movie is getting to see a sweet charming silly gregory peck and his dynamic with audrey hepburn is great and her kind of being this um a breakout kind of role for her and her just being great in it as well and it's just so much fun and just beautiful to look at and and just just a beautiful day and a lovely story and the chemistry is just electric so yes absolutely love Roman Holiday. I cannot argue with that (laughs) I, I love that too my favorite 50s movie I won't talk much about this because I did already before it was very very obvious for me because it's Night of the Hunter yes yes it just is. I so spoke about it before. Go back and listen to that little bit. <laughs> yes. If you want to hear me talk about it again. 
because it is my favourite 50s movie. Certainly we've covered Night of the Hunter. Yes. 60s. 60s. Well, we mentioned it also earlier. Um, In the Heat of the Night. Oh, yes. Yes, just a great performance. I mean, seeing Sidney Poitier, I could just watch that on repeat, him slapping that man. So good. <laughs> um, you know, iconic line. Uh, you know, they call me Mr. Tibbs and just everything he has to kind of fight through in that movie. Great performances, just great, uh, strong storytelling. Um, just so good. Perfect. It is. It is. My favourite 60s movie is a personal favourite. It it might not be the best movie. It actually tends to be a little bit of a hated movie because it won Best Picture for some reason unfairly, even though (laughs) I would have given it it as well. Oliver, 1968, Uh, the musical, Mm -hmm. is a personal favourite for childhood reasons for Morgan and has to be my favourite 60s movie we've covered in terms of favorite it's not the best it's not the best but it's my favorite definitely okay childhood reasons growing yes, up with it the nostalgia yes. factor of course yes what about the 70s there's a good <laughs> oh, handful yes well um, easy pick willy wonka and the chocolate factory and That's I knew my... you would pick Willie. <laughs> yes. Um, I didn't. <laughs> just in terms of like, you know, if we kind of even get into just the episode itself, this was such a fun episode for me. It was my first episode, my first foray into podcasting. So it just holds a kind of special place in my heart in terms of recording and doing the show. Um, so it was kind of me dipping my toes into talking about films on this kind of level. Um, and yeah, just a really silly movie to watch. I know we actually got to watch it together uh with brandon who we did the episode with and we were just cracking up and having the best time so you know getting to do that on the show and talk about it it's just it's so fun it's just so silly to laugh at that movie and make fun of things and gene wilder's performance is great and the movie's just so bright and silly and bonkers let's just not forget (laughs) and and of course terrible (laughs) we love to hate it we love to hate uh, Grandpa Joe. Um, yeah. So that's the, the fun of the movie. So, yes, so much fun. I knew you would pick it, so I, I didn't. <laughs> yes. it, is, it is probably mine, but I, I, I just picked Bed Knobs and Broomsticks instead. Yes, great one. Because, great. again, just light childhood reasons. Yeah. Favorite. And you can't. You, again, it's kind of a, what, what I can just always seem to put on and just purely enjoy it's a very pure movie it's a silly movie there's a lot of stupidity in it there's a lot of nonsense in it actually i mean but it's also a witch movie it's also a war movie it's about 14 different genres (laughs) but it works in the span of about 85 minutes of movie yeah it's bizarre but i love it dearly and is if willy wonka isn't it's my favorite 70s movie we've covered definitely yeah well i want to rattle off the last ones janine before we talk about our last topic because episode 201 was gaslight 202 was doa 203 was blithe spirit 204 was dirty harry 205 was La Belle, La Bette, The Beauty and the Beast. 206, The Towering Inferno. 
207, gunfight at the OK Corral. Sing it, Janine. <laughs> no. You don't want to sing it no. now, do you? <laughs> you? Don't you remember the song? That was OK Corral. <laughs> For so long. <laughs> yes. Number 208 was He Who Gets Slapped from 1924 with Lon Chaney. 209, Affair in Trinidad. 210, Great Expectations. 211, State of the Union. 212, Doctor Who. And the Daleks, the weird Peter Cushing Doctor Who movie from the <laughs> mid-60s that's got nothing to do with actual Doctor Who. <laughs> 2.13, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde spend mm. some traces. 2.14, the day of the Triffids. 2.15, the big clock. 2.16, the incredible shrinking man. 2.17, no way out. 2.18, the actress. 2.19, anatomy of a murder. 2.20, Rosemary's baby. 2.21, inherit the wind. 222, the list of Adrian Messenger. 223, took trouble in paradise. 224, ransom. 225, sweet smell of success. 226, Paris blues. 227, the gunfighter. 228, brief encounter. 229, out of the past. 230, dark passage. 231, was Willard and Ben. <laughs> yes. 232, burnt offerings. 233, the picture <laughs> of Dorian Gray. 234, The Thing from Another World and The Thing Retrospective. 235, To Have and Have Not. 236, A Guy Named Joe. Always a good deja vu. Yeah. Any good deja vu there as well. 237, The Bad and the Beautiful. 238, Kiss of Death. 239, Beyond Tomorrow. 240, The Holly and the Ivy. 241, White and White Christmas. 242, Remember the Night. 243, Last Holiday. 244, Ace in the Hole. 245, Libeled Lady. 246, Scandal Sheet. 247, While the City Sleeps. 248, Book and the Preacher. And our last episode, 249, Cotton Comes to Harlem. Yes. They are the It's a Wonderful Podcast movies. <laughs> Many more to come, I am sure. But Janine, let's finish off this episode by asking ourselves, <laughs> what is the most It's a Wonderful Podcast movie, <laughs> in your opinion? And this could be whatever that means to you. Okay. Well, I would also um... like to ask everybody listening who has listened to this episode, who has <laughs> enjoyed It's a Wonderful Podcast throughout the time, Tweet at us, you know, what is yeah. your, what What do you think is the most It's, it's a, wonderful a Wonderful Podcast, podcast movie. movie? And don't let our opinions <laughs> sway you. Sway you, yes. So my I really hope you've got the same one. <laughs> is a movie that embodies our slogan, which is... Which is... Uh, uh, discovering new movies, discovering new old movies, showing yes. love to them, and celebrating yes. old movies. Yes. Uh, so I think this movie does that. Um, it has a cast Please. full of big names that, you know, Please, maybe a yes. lot of people haven't seen sounding the movie old. from. Um, and uh, a very interesting, intriguing story and a very mm -hmm. surprise film that, like, you know, got accolades, but we hadn't heard of it. I this think a lot of people hadn't good. heard of it. <laughs> and that movie is Separate Tables. Yes, it is. <laughs> is that what yes, you think? it is Separate Tables. 
absolutely it is the most it's a wonderful podcast movie yes 100 for everything (laughs) that epitomizes this show it's actually one of the few episodes that somebody in your life actually yes to you yes like the randomest episode possible i was at a showdown taping and one of the competitors ty lieberman came up to me and he talked about listening to the night of the hunter episode and an episode on separate tables and he's like i would never have thought anyone would ever talk about this movie like what the hell is separate tables but it was a great episode so it's um, a great movie yes it was a surprise movie star-studded cast we have rita hayworth deborah kerr david niven who won the oscar for this movie burt lancaster so like yeah huge names in this movie a very interesting story about um uh just kind of twisted relationships and um yeah very secrets and 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 people trying to kind of hide things about themselves and uh the tables kind of being a metaphor for you know kind of welcoming isn't it it's it's like yes yes at our table we welcome you or shun you to the other table exactly so it's kind of a metaphor of of society of who do we let in who do we keep away from and that type of thing so um yes just a very interesting uh human kind of story about people um and those human relationships and uh yeah just a very kind of interesting discovery of a movie with such big names and just a surprise to not have heard of it um so i just feel like everything about this movie just fit what this show is about putting eyes on these movies that maybe no one's heard of of actors that you maybe know their names but you haven't seen a lot of their work um a movie that got praise in its time but you know just maybe got forgotten about so uh this movie felt like it just hit all those buttons of what we try to do on this show so and the fact that yes yeah, somebody kind of in my world kind of came up to me and told me they actually listened to the episode and was really surprised we were talking about this movie and got them to watch it and and they enjoyed the episode so yeah it definitely speaks to what we try to do here on it's a wonderful podcast so it i couldn't Absolutely. pick anything else it, it just stuck no, out to I, me. I i couldn't <laughs> it, it sticks out like i was gonna say a sore thumb but a shining light really yeah um i think it's a great episode in itself not yeah. only just a really good movie but obviously we'd never heard of it we'd never remotely heard of it yeah we just found it discovered it and that is what this show is all about discovering new old movies and celebrating them when you realize oh my god they're great this is yeah it's so good howard but i never heard of this movie and it's also got a slightly stupid title like why would you <laughs> search out a movie called separate, separate tables? tables yeah but then it when is, you watch the movie, it makes sense of like kind of the, the divide of people and separation of people and, um, you know, metaphor for how people kind of interact and, and see each other, you know, so. It is 100% the most It's a Wonderful podcast movie we've covered in 250 yes. episodes. I don't know if it will be with 250 more episodes that's an awfully lot long time and a long a lot amount of episodes really isn't it but yes 
I think there we go, Janine. What a great <laughs> celebration of this show today yes. has been. I've thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Me too. <laughs> I think we hope you have too. We certainly hope you yes. have enjoyed this episode. Um, taking a look back, celebrating some of our favourite uh, types of movies, our favourite performances, people and silly things involved in the history of this show, all 250 episodes of it. We'll certainly be back next week with our um, carrying on our celebration of black movies from the 70s. Yeah. Obviously, Cotton Comes to Harlem was last week. The next week will be Superfly, 72, 1972. Maybe a bit of a deja vu. Oh, certainly. I think so. But... Um, of course, this show is not the only show we have on this feed, although we are celebrating this show today. We have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday, still on our Love Games series there throughout February. And Monday Madness will be coming back next week, uh, next Monday as well, as I am back off holiday now. So that's nice, isn't it? Yay. Back to Monday Madness. Monday, Wednesday, Friday with this show, of course. We have you covered on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Amazon Music, and everywhere else. Janine, we also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel, don't we? Isn't that we fun? Do. We well, aside from the awesome Monday show, Monday Madness, we have fun reviews. Morgan has his awesome Blu-ray collection videos uh, showcasing all his physical media he's got some more coming because he's always yeah, buying yeah, movies so you can check out his collection i have been doing a bunch of fun scream content on the channel because i am so obsessed with this franchise excited for the new movie so i've been doing some reviews on all the films fun easter egg videos ranking videos so if you love talking scream Come hang out with us on It's a Wonderful Podcast. Uh, we hopefully want to get some watch-alongs in. And, uh, you know, you can look at our old watch-alongs. There's a lot of fun things on the channel there. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Certainly, certainly. You can, of course, also find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Don with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram and even TikTok at the Purple Don. If you'd like to support us on Patreon or donate in any such way, there are links in the description for that. Patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. Find the tier that is right for you. If you want to help us celebrate 250 episodes of our main show, of the show that birthed everything, <laughs> the, the founding show of the It's a Wonderful Podcast world which is it's a wonderful podcast itself that's why it's yes. called that <laughs> that makes sense doesn't it to me janine don't yes. know if it makes sense to you but it, it does to sense. me <laughs> all your wonderful stuff is where you can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find that at our Teespring shop. Just search It's Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Well, from Vertigo, number one, to Cotton <laughs> Comes to Harlem, with Night of the Hunter, Witness for the Prosecution, Ransom, gunfighters separate tables all about eve <laughs> sunset boulevard and every single other damn movie we've done on this ridiculous show thank you very much for listening 
to this episode. Thank you for 250 episodes of It's a Wonderful Podcast. It's to the next milestone, Janine. Yes, can't wait. It's to the next milestone. I do think there is only one thing left to do. Go ahead. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye.